0: It is your money. Welcome to the show. If you have a financial question for today's speaker, you can call this number 24 hours a day, seven days a week. It is 1-888-6-ADVICE. You can also email questions to your money at wealthenhancement.com. But for the next hour, you can call our studio line at 651-461-9226. That is 651-461-9226. You can call that line and come on the air with us, or you can text a question. Now here is the founder of Wealth Enhancement Group and financial advisor, Bruce Elmer. Hello, Bruce. How are you?
1: Hello, Susie Jones. Thank you very much. I'm well. How are you? I'm also well.
0: Big show today. Big show, and you're flying solo.
1: I am flying solo. Peg is uh, taking another uh, week off. She'll be back next week. Um, she will be missed, everyone always tells me. The show is much better when, Pe- when Peg is here <laughs> than when she's not, so she's always missed. But uh, you're right, Susie, it's a big show, and I'll tell you why. So I'm going to ask you this question. okay. When you, think, when you think about retirement yourself, now I know you're still a, a young person, mm. but you still you know think about the days that you don't work anymore. Do you think about having enough money to last as long as you live? Do you worry that you might not have enough money?
0: Yeah, although I've done pretty well, more the question is right in line with what <laughs> we're going to talk about, and that is how do you do it? How do you create – I mean, when you're ready, where do you start taking your money from? If you have an IRA, if you have a 401K, if you have pension, if you have Social Security, how does that work when you're ready to start taking that money?
1: Right, and you're you're absolutely right, and I'm glad you kind of brought those things up because you're right, we're going to dig a little deeper and go into those things. But but, 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 but far and away in this country and, and people when they first come to see me, I think their biggest question is around retirement income. How much money do I need to be able to retire? How much can I spend every year? How do I know that I've got enough money that I won't run out of money before I run out of breath? And then you get also into the issue of, I have some people that leaving a legacy to kids or grandkids, leaving something behind is a high priority for them. I have other clients that say, no, that really doesn't matter. My kids are doing great. They don't need my money. I've literally had people tell me before that their financial plan, their goal is to spend their last dollar the day they take their last breath. And when that happens, I always tell them, Hey, we can actually do that. We can devise a plan where that, that where you spend your last dollar the day you take your last breath. The only thing we need to know for you is exactly when are you going to to die and there, therein lies the rub right that's the tricky part we ne- none of us know how long we're going to be here none of us is promised tomorrow we don't know if we're going to be here for days or years or decades so we have to plan or assume that we're going to be here a long time otherwise we end up running out before we get to the end of the road so with all that is kind of setting the stage Within our industry, there's a commonly accepted principle called the 4% withdrawal rate. And what that means, Susie and listeners, is about 30 years or so ago, a bunch of really smart people, people in the financial industry, economists, got together and they tried to determine what is a safe withdrawal rate that people can take off their, their nest egg, off their retirement plan, off their savings and investments what's a safe withdrawal rate that people can take and make sure that they don't run out of money before they die? And so they ran a a bunch of, a a lot, many, many, many thousands of different what are called Monte Carlo simulations, which simply means a a wide variety of different sequence of returns. So maybe the first year the market's down 5%, the second year it's up 20%, and, and so th- there's probably an infinite number of possibilities, and they can't run infinite number of simulations. But they ran you know, th- thousands of, of simulations, and based on all this data, they concluded that 4% is the safe withdrawal rate. And that's always sort of been the standard within our industry. In fact, a lot of people listening right now have probably heard of this before. Well, that's never set <laughs> That's never set well with me personally, because if you think about it, let's say you're somebody that accumulates $100,000, just to make the math simple. That means you only get to spend $4,000 a year, and people are going, what? I can't live on $4,000 a year? Heck, even if you add Social Security into that, you know that's just not enough money. I've got to be able to take more than 4%. Or if you're somebody that's done better or fortunate enough, maybe you have a half million dollars, that's still only twenty thousand dollars a year. So when people hear this four percent thing, sometimes the question I get, well, why can I only take four percent? Does that mean that you know my investment portfolio is only gonna earn four percent? And I'm like, well well no, but there's something called a sequence of returns, meaning, let's say you retired in two thousand and seven. In 2008, the market was down 50%, and your your retirement plan with a half a million dollars now has 250000 Well, if you start drawing out of it, you're digging that hole deeper. You may never dig yourself out of that hole. On the other hand, if the first year after you retire, the market is way up, people say, well, then I can spend more than 4%. But all these Monte Carlo simulations tried to assume, again, thousands of different possibilities and so the four percent withdrawal rate even though your portfolio might average six percent seven percent a year based on the sequence of returns that doesn't mean you can safely withdraw six or seven percent per year so this four percent withdrawal rate this assumption has been around like i said for you know over 30 years and it's 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 never really set well with me and still doesn't and there's a lot of reasons why so first of all if if, if everybody thinks well i can only spend four percent of my money when i retire doesn't it make a difference i already mentioned people that want to leave a legacy versus people that don't how much i get to spend isn't it going to be um, affected by whether or not i want to leave money to loved ones or not of course it is if, if i don't care if i spend it all i can certainly take a higher withdrawal rate than if it's a high priority to me to leave a certain amount of money to kids and grandkids also the age you retire if somebody retires at 55 again clearly their their safe withdrawal rate is going to be lower than somebody that retires at 75 that's 20 years more income that i have to provide for myself cuz i'm not working obviously i can't spend as much so so when i look at logical things like that then people again the industry Prevailing wisdom, if you will, the mainstream. And by the way, I'm 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 always saying uh, prevailing wisdom, mainstream. I, I have to do air quotes. You can't see me, Susie, but I'm doing air quotes. I can when see I say these things. <laughs> so so the, they say this is a, this the four percent is a rule of thumb. Again, air quotes. It it doesn't mean it's four percent for everybody. Each individual has to you know look at their own situation. So then, within the last couple of years, when we had uh, higher inflation, these financial experts looked at the issue again, and between the market retraction we had in 2008, or the market retraction we had in 2022, and the high inflation, they looked at the 4% rule and they said, gosh, maybe we we were too optimistic here. Maybe you can't really spend 4% a year. Maybe it's more like 3.5%. So so the four percent rule, commonly accepted for over thirty years, suddenly got even worse. People were told they couldn't even spend four percent. And I'm here to tell you today, I think all of this prevailing wisdom, this mainstream thinking, is a bunch of hogwash. What? <laughs> so <here's> why <laughs> I know. I, I was going to say bunk, but you can't say bunk on the radio on Sunday morning. So I, I think I you didn't could. Say bunk. You didn't, but I think you might. Have. <laughs> so, uh, I'll, I'll go with hogwash. but so okay. Here's my reasons why, why I say this. So, again, I understand these Monte Carlo simulations, and I understand the sequence of returns that people are going to get on their money, and there's a big difference between retiring in 2008 or retiring in 2023 based on what the market did. But first of all, there's certain strategies that are available today that contractually guarantee an investor a higher rate of return, or a higher income than this 4% um, withdrawal rate that we assume. Susie, I had a, a client this past week, you can't even make this stuff up, 65 years old, getting ready to take money out of his uh, retirement savings. And I showed this person a strategy that contractually guarantees 6.8% for life. Doesn't matter what the stock market does, doesn't matter what happens to interest rates, doesn't matter how long they live, they're guaranteed, contractually guaranteed, 6.8% for life. Now, I'm not saying that everybody should put all their money into this strategy, but if they can put, and this person did, some of their money into some place where they're going to uh, get a guaranteed income of 6.8 percent it certainly seems logical that your overall withdrawal or distribution rate can be higher than four percent but even that's not the main thing <clears throat> the main thing to me is the false assumptions that the industry made about these withdrawals when they do these Monte Carlo simulations and here's what I mean by that so last week on this on, uh, on this show we talked about the your money matrix and I did that intentionally last week's show was almost a setup, if you will, or a precursor to this week's show. Quick review. I'm not going to try to redo the whole show here a minute that I did last week, but the your money matrix meet we at wealth enhancement. We take people's assets and we, and we chart them on this matrix and we look at money and we say, is this money fully and immediately taxable? Is it tax-deferred or is it tax-advantaged? Or maybe they avoid taxes altogether. And then we also ask, is this money that someone is going to spend in the short term? Or is this money that they don't need for a long time? Or is it somewhere in the middle? And and so we look at time horizon and we look at tax consequences. And then we say to our clients, we are always going to have a smart place to get money when you need money and we're going to spend the smartest money first the smartest money is based on performance of the portfolio so if i've got money in the stock market and i have a lot of embedded gains there or if the market is at or near an all-time high like it is right now and i need money i might tell that client now is a good time to sell stocks you've got a lot of gains you're locking in those gains you're taking winnings off the table But in 2008, when the market was down over 60%, I had nervous clients coming in for review meetings, but my clients that needed money, I said, look, I know you have less money overall than you did a year ago, but most of of that depletion or most of those retractions are in what we call your long-term bucket. And you told me you didn't need to spend that money for a long time, and, and that hasn't changed. You're going to spend your cash or your money that wasn't exposed to risk of principal, because the market's down right now. And before we sell stocks, we want to give the market some time to recover. So the smart money or where you take your withdrawal is going to be impacted by the investment results of these various buckets of money that we invest differently for different time horizons. And it's also going to be influenced by tax consequences. I want to make sure I spend the smartest money from tax standpoint, because if I can mitigate some of my tax liability, if I can reduce my overall taxes over the course of my lifetime, reduction of taxes is actually one of the most efficient ways that I can enhance my return on investment and thus enhance the amount of income that I get to spend at retirement or the percentage that I get to take per year. So I explain this because, and what does this have to do with all these Monte Carlo simulations and the so called uh, 4% withdrawal rate, the rule of thumb, the prevailing wisdom? These Monte Carlo simulations, listeners and Susie, they assume that these withdrawals that, that people take are at the same percentage as what your investments are, how, how, how you're invested. I know that's a very convoluted sentence. Let me try to add clarity to that. So in other words, if if, if somebody has 50% of their money in the stock market and 50% of their money in cash and and bonds and and fixed income investments, and now they're gonna take a withdrawal, the Monte Carlo simulations assume that when they take that withdrawal, half of that withdrawal is coming from stocks and half of that withdrawal is coming from their fixed income investments. Well, in the real world, in my world, the wealth enhancement world, the wealth enhancement smart money strategy, we're going to tell that client, you're going to spend the smartest money first. You're not going to take half out of stocks and half out of fixed income if the stock market's down right now. Why would we let you sell stocks when the market's down? Everybody listening to me right now understands buy low and sell high. Just because you understand it doesn't mean you do it. But that's what these Monte Carlo simulations assume. They don't assume that if the stock market's down, then people are going to take their withdrawal out of cash. These simulations assume that the withdrawals are at the same same percentages of how your money is invested. And with the your money matrix and the smart money strategy, our clients are not going to do that. If stocks are up and they have a lot of gains and they need income, yes, we might say, let's Let's sell stocks. But in 2008, when the market was down, we had our clients in cash and bonds and other asset classes that they could use for income so they didn't have to sell their stocks when the market was down. This is what we call the smart money, the wealth enhancement smart money strategy. And it's based on having the diversification of investments invested with tax diversification. Some of your money is fully and immediately taxable, some of it is tax deferred or tax delayed, and some of it maybe you avoid taxes altogether, and then we also have different investment portfolios for different time horizons. So the short-term money, the money that you think you're going to need or you know you're going to need in the next year or two or three, we typically don't have any risk of principal on that money. So if you need income and your stocks are down, that's the money you spend. The long-term money, the money that's mostly exposed to the stock market, when we say long-term, that means we have the ability to go a long-term without touching it, but it doesn't mean we can't touch it in the short-term if it makes sense to do so. So someone that has long-term money in stocks right now, but they say, hey, I need some income, I might say, let's use your long money or your money in stocks, because you've got a lot of embedded gains in the portfolio, we're taking winnings off the table, we're selling high, the market's near an all-time high, and now is a good time to sell your stocks. So again, if people actually do what I'm describing, and unfortunately, most of the world does not, as I said on the show last week, and I'm not trying to you know, toot my own horn or toot wealth enhancement's horn, or I'm not trying to you know, be uh, you know, doing a commercial, wealth enhancement but i'm just saying i i said this last week the reason we do the your money matrix and the reason we do the wealth enhancement smart money strategy is because we know it works and it's not some theory i've been doing this suzy for over 40 years i've seen it work personally many times it's worked in my own investment life it's worked in my client's life so again, i i harken back to 2008 which most of our listeners remember in October of 07, I said this last week, the U.S. market, as measured by the Dow, was trading at a little over 14,000. By March of 2009, 18 months later, it was down over 60%. It was 6,500 and some change. So everybody remembers that. Everybody remembers when their 401K became a 201K. <laughs> everybody was nervous. We had you know almost a, a global-wide ec- panic, yep. and a lot of people got out of the market in 2008 either because they were fearful they were afraid and they and they sold because they were afraid it was going to go even lower and they sold when it was low and either locked in losses or or locked in not what they could have had if they'd have been smarter and or people sold stocks in 2008 because they needed income just because the stock market's down if i'm retired i still have to buy gas and groceries i need some money here so i have to sell stocks well our clients did not have to sell stocks because we carve out money in the your money matrix for short term we put some of the money in places where there's no risk of principal. and now when you need money you've got options where to take it from do you want to take it from a no risk of principal account do you want to take it from a moderate in, uh, risk account or do you want to take it for most aggressive money And we also have flexibility and diversification from a tax standpoint. Sometimes we want to spend tax-deferred money and pay the tax. Sometimes we don't. So, again, if we give people options of where that retirement income comes from, they can certainly take out more than 4% per year. We can enhance returns. We can make sure that you're not going to run out of money before you run out of breath. You don't have to know what the stock market's going to do in the short term, which we never do anyway. Anyone that says they know is misguided or dishonest. I don't know what the market will do in the short term. And I don't care because I've got my diversification on my various portfolios for different time horizons. I've got my tax diversification. And I know that, Susie, whenever I want money or need money, I've got a smart place to go get it. The wealth enhancement smart strategy will assure, in my mind, that this 4% withdrawal rate that's prevailing wisdom and commonly accepted, in my mind, is a bunch of, of, of bunk, and I don't believe it for a minute, and that's not the way we practice with our clients. And again, it worked in 2008. If it worked in 2008, I can't anticipate an economic circumstance where it doesn't. And I think you're going to tell me we're close to (laughs) breakdown.
0: Yes, I am going to tell you that. You are very good at getting us close, though, so we appreciate that. Again, if you're listening right now, 651 461 9226. You already have text questions coming in, Bruce. Also, your money at wealthenhancement.com. If you want to email a question, we're back after this short break. And welcome back to the second half of Your Money. I'm Susie Jones. Steering the ship along with Charlie Wees. and we have, of course, information for you this next half hour. If you have a question for Bruce, you can call 24 hours a day, seven days a week. That number is 8886Advice. You can also email your questions to your money at wealthenhancement.com. But right now, you can call or text us at 651 461 9226. Now, once again, the founder of Wealth Enhancement Group and financial advisor. Bruce Helmer. Bruce, we are ready for you when you're ready for us with questions.
1: Thank you, Susie Jones. Yeah, let's get the listeners here shortly. I just really quickly want to just kind of do a bow on the first half. So, listeners, if you joined us late, we're talking today about the 4% withdrawal myth. And in the first half of the show, I went into some detail about why I think that is not good financial planning. It's commonly accepted, it's prevailing wisdom. It's not what we do at Wealth Enhancement. And this, by the way, is not the first time that Wealth Enhancement has thought outside the box and not accepted what is commonly accepted within our industry. And you know, Susie and listeners, and and again, I don't mean to say this for self-serving reasons, but I will just say that over the years, a lot of the things, a lot of the approaches Wealth Enhancement has taken Years ago, a lot of the industry didn't accept, pointed at us and said, you're crazy. And oftentimes some of these things have become the prevailing wisdom when the rest of the industry has realized that we're actually correct. I think this is going to be another one of them. Um, I know there's other people, there's other advisors. I don't mean to imply that we're the only ones, but the 4% withdrawal rate is just, again, I, I, I don't think I've got a single client that's only taking 4%, unless unless it's all they need or all they want. They don't want them to spend more than they need for the lifestyle that they want. But for for most people listening, if you're restricted to only being able to spend 4%, you're not going to have the happy retirement that you want to have. But the good news is I don't believe that it's accurate. I think with proper planning, using the Your Money Matrix, spending the smartest money first, um, being efficient, being effective, you can greatly increase that that withdrawal rate. Um, I'm absolutely convinced of it. And, and if you're not planning this way, um, or, you, or you're not aware of these strategies that contractually guarantee higher income amounts, if for any of these reasons, any of the things you heard in the first half of the show, if you want to challenge me on it, or you want to learn more about it, you know, call us up or come in and see us. Again, I'm not trying to be self-promotional here I'm just trying to be educational and informative and if you're not doing these things or you haven't heard of these things and I struck a chord and I struck uh, some level of interest come in and see us there's no cost there's no obligation I'd love to chat with you one-on-one and show you in more detail uh, these things that I talked about today from you know from 10,000 feet so, Susie, let's let the, the listeners, you and the listeners, drive the I'm <laughs> very the good. Way. <laughs> okay.
0: We have a, a one that came in that both Charlie and I said, we love this one. This person says, love the show. I have a million dollars in pension and a million in traditional Roth 401k today. I'm in a high tax bracket. Should I put money into a Roth 401k today, even though I'd pay 30% in taxes? I'm 56. Is that right? Yep, I'm 56 and I plan to work seven more years. That's from JD in Waconia. Okay, that is a pretty good situation, at least from my perspective, and I don't know
1: a lot, but that guy <laughs> looks
0: in pretty good shape.
1: Yeah, JD is in an enviable position by most people's uh, standards, and he asks a really good question. So, uh, it, it, as I understand it, uh, listening to the text, what he's really asking about, he's in a high tax bracket, and he's wondering, I'm, I'm going I'm to work seven more years and I'm going to continue to put away money for my future. Am I better off using, um, a, a, a traditional, what I would call a traditional 401k where the contribution is a, is a pre-tax dollar, meaning the amount of the, the, the contribution, my income is reduced by that amount. So it lowers my taxes in the current tax year, but I have to pay the tax in the future when I withdraw from that account, versus a Roth 401k or an after-tax contribution where it doesn't lower my taxes in the current tax year, but I don't have any taxes on the withdrawals in the future, provided I've had that account for at least five years or until age 59 and a half, whichever is longer. And this is really a tricky thing for a lot of people to determine which is gonna be better. And and and. To to calculate the right answer, you really have to look beyond just the current tax year Uh, because, Susie and listeners, if you're just looking at the current tax year, you'd say, well, I want the traditional plan where I get the deduction, and I'm in a high tax bracket, so anything I can put on a pre-tax basis and lower my taxable income benefits me a lot in this tax year, but it may not give you the most net tax benefit over a lifetime. So, in this case, and pretty much every case, what we'd have to do is do a long-range forecast and say, "What? how much would you be saving in taxes now if you make these pre-tax contributions versus how much you would save later if you paid the tax now, but it's in a Roth and you don't have to pay taxes down the road. And that's a really tricky thing to do. And for most people, I'll say I'll say two kind of general things that don't necessarily specifically answer texters question and i don't know if i actually can do that without knowing a lot more about them but i would say number one for most people you're gonna net better with roth than traditional because even though you're paying more taxes in the short term what you save later on will probably be net less taxes over your lifetime and more net money into your pocket that said if you're in a high tax bracket now and you benefit from that deduction and sometimes maybe even putting enough away on a pre-tax basis, you could be on the border of a tax bracket. So if you could say do pre-tax dollars and and go from say a 22% bracket to a 12% bracket, that could have considerable impact in the short term that even if you've um, you know, project that out and know that you're ultimately going to pay tax on that money, that may give you a better net. So the, the, the answer is that for, for most people, long-term, you're going to have more net benefit from Roth. But at 56, which the texter said he was, he's kind of in that age, where, age range where it's not going to be obvious. So if somebody's 35 or 40 or even 45, I'm probably going to almost always say you're going to net better by doing Roth, but the Roth looks stronger the more time you have with tax-free accumulation. And at 56 and retiring in seven years, he's kind of in that iffy gray area. So probably the texture, and this is true of a lot of people, it's probably not an either or, I do all tax deferred or I do all after. It's probably some sort of combination of both. Maybe mm. half of my contribution is pre tax and half of my contribution is after tax. But to be more precise than that, mm. you'd really have to do some projections and calculations on tax. But the good news is, and you said it, Susie, based on his situation, whether he does pre tax or after tax, and, and at the end of the day, it's probably not going to make a significant difference. And he's in great, he, he or she, is in great shape anyway. Just the fact that they're saving and investing um, as much as they have is a, is a tremendous thing, and I'm sure they're going to have financial success, but it's really hard to be more precise than I just was.
0: Very good. Six five one four six one nine two two six. Good morning, Bruce. After you set up a client account, how often is it reviewed to remain relevant to meeting their goals, and who actually makes that decision? Does the client have to call and say can we do a review or do you call the client and say let's come in and do
1: a review Wonderful question So uh, I'm going to look at this from two perspectives listening Susie. So at wealth enhancement when we manage a portfolio our investment management team is managing that portfolio and they don't know you the client We have something like 60,000 clients around the country investment management team doesn't know all the clients but your advisor knows you. So between you and your advisor, you're going to determine which portfolio or portfolios. Cause most of my clients will have more than one. Again, different investment portfolios for different time horizons, different investment objectives. So m- most people have more than one. So our investment management team tries to maximize the efficiency of those portfolios. Now, I, I don't know the exact number of portfolios that we run, but it's, let's say it's 100. We don't have 60,000 portfolios. We do not have a unique customized portfolio for each individual client. All of our 60,000 clients fit into one or more than one of these, what we think are asset allocation efficiently run portfolios. And our investment management team is trying to maximize the efficiency Maximize the return on investment of these portfolios. So if they make a change to a portfolio and they're monitoring these things literally every day the markets open and they look at over 70 markets around the globe on a daily basis to try to anticipate trends. So they're monitoring these portfolios and if they make a change to your portfolio, they're not just making it for you. They're also making it for the other 14,700 clients that are in that same portfolio. So you get daily monitoring on a global basis in terms of the investment management team. But in terms of how often we talk to you, we are proactive at Wealth Enhancement. Most of our clients are on a one-year tickler where if we haven't talked to you or communicated with you, we'll have a tickler and tell us it's been 12 months. But a lot of our clients say, I need to talk more often than that. I want to do it every six months. So it depends upon the client. It can be six months, 12 months. And as you might well imagine, I've got a lot of clients that every year when I reach out, they say, no, nah, I don't need anything. You know, call me next year. I don't you know. I'm fine. Mm. But we are pro we are attentive. If you ask us a question or we are attentive, if you suggest maybe you want to make a change, we'll respond. But we are proactive in terms of um, uh, touch points and we are proactive if we think you should make a change. So when I just talked, I said I'm going to come at this two directions. The investment management team is trying to maximize the efficiency of the portfolio. They don't know the client. The advisor knows the client. The advisor and you client chose the portfolios that are appropriate for you, but your your circumstances may change. You're going to get older. Your time horizon is going to get shorter. You're going to get a promotion. You lost your job. Somebody got sick. As life changes, as life happens, the portfolio should maybe change, which is why we need to meet frequently to make sure that we're still doing the appropriate thing. Mm. So we might say, okay, you're in a full equity portfolio, but we've had a good year in the stock market, you're a year older, maybe now is a more is a good time to start getting more conservative. Let's shift some of your money into a different model or a different portfolio. So that decision is made one on one with advisor clients. But the investment management team is never gonna take that 100% equity portfolio and say, oh, well, we're bearish on the market. We're gonna get out of the market and go to cash, or we're gonna put half of it in bonds. They stay true to the investment objective of that portfolio. And if it's an aggressive full equity portfolio, it's always gonna be a full equity portfolio. They're not gonna change it. Now, what makes up that 100% of equities can and will change from time to time because it's being monitored daily but they're not going to deviate from the stated investment objective of that portfolio. If we, the client and the advisor, if we want to get more conservative or more aggressive, we need to make a decision to move to one of our other portfolios. So it's a great, it's a wonderful question. Again, mm. we're proactive. We're attentive. When we think we, you should make changes, we will probably tell you But if you think you want to make changes, you tell us, I always tell every client, it's your money. At the end of the day, you have to be comfortable with what we're doing. But it's also just because we only talk to you once a year
0: doesn't mean we're not
1: watching your money all the time every day between times that we talk to you. So there's there's multiple um, different places where. What we're doing in these portfolios and what we're doing with clients, it's happening on multiple levels mm. to make sure that uh, clients don't have to worry about it and they can pursue things that are more interesting to them. They retire, like travel, spending time with with grandkids, golfing, fishing, travel, you know, whatever, uh-huh. not having to worry about your money.
0: Okay, 651-461-9226. Two, two, Another texture writes, I'm driving to Arizona. How about that? And listening in the car, I wanted to know. They said they heard a program yesterday talking about an index UL product around income-producing options during retirement. Can you do you know of this? And can you explain it further and share pros and cons?
1: Yeah. So first of all, um, be safe on your drive, and, and, <laughs> and congratulations that you're going somewhere warm. No drive kidding. safe.
0: Yes. <laughs> so. so
1: um, yeah the question just what they're, what they call the, the UL index. so um, I, I can talk about it but it, it, it's, it's really it can be very complex and it could be a whole hour so I I'm gonna, I'm gonna do the best I can brief them on a time that we have. So there are strategies available within the financial services industry. so so whenever you see index, what that means to me whether whether it's something called an annuity or whether it's life insurance, Indexing can mean that the underlying investments are either invested in an index or what we see a lot of times nowadays, uh, listeners and Susie, these, these strategies, these, these insurance company strategies, uh, life insurance and annuities, they might have options on indexes where they say, okay, we've got people out there that we know don't want the risk of market exposure but they also don't want to put all their money just in interest-bearing accounts because they want to have the potential to earn returns that keep pace with inflation and maybe outpace just a simple investment account in a bank or a money market. So one of the ways you can do this and mitigate the risk is by these, these indexing options, which means if I have one of these strategies and I've got various indexes that I have options on, if the index goes up they exercise the option and you get some of the upside but if the index goes down they let the option expire worthless and you don't lose any money so there's no market risk now you say well that's too good to be true how can i have zero risk and still get all the upside of the market well you don't get all of the upside because these strategies then also have um what they call caps or maximums that you can earn so Maybe the index made twenty four percent, but your cap is only eight percent, then you only get eight. But if the index went down, you don't suffer any loss. So you're reducing your down you're you're eliminating or reducing your downside risk, but you're limiting your upside. Or there's what they call a spread. The spread means the first certain percent will go to the insurance company, and then after you cover the spread, you can make the difference. But if they if it doesn't cover the spread you don't make any upside so the pros and cons the the pro or the advantage of these strategies can be significant risk reduction or maybe even risk elimination but one of the disadvantages i just mentioned you probably probably limit your upside additionally there may be some extra cost to get these benefits so you have to say is it worth it to me to pay more To get this benefit or am i better off just investing in a more traditional more vanilla investment that that doesn't provide these features and or i might have to sacrifice liquidity there might be some sort of a deferred sales charge or penalty if i want to go get my money too soon so they're certainly not for everybody but they can be for investors that want to have market participation without the amount of risk typically associated with the market And then uh, just one last other thought uh, on these things. They they also can provide certain income promises that investors might find attractive. Again, there's going to be disadvantages to get that advantage, which is why as an investor, you have to understand what you're getting into and say, okay, are these negative things worth it to me to get this positive thing, yes or no? And not everybody's going to be different in terms of whether or not they find that attractive, but it's certainly a tool that's available and I think the text said, is this a good idea or not? Or, uh, and again, it depends upon your situation. Mm-hmm. It can be a good idea for some of your money. It's probably not a good idea for all of your money, but as part of a broadly diversified portfolio, depending upon your circumstances, it could certainly be a tool that we use.
0: All right, another texture writes, I'm 65 years old and retired. When does it make sense to roll over my traditional and Roth 401ks to my IRA and Roth IRA?
1: Great question again, and this is probably the last one we have time for. I'm keeping an eye on the clock. Yep. Two, so, two
0: minutes, two minutes.
1: Yep, okay. Yep, so there, there's there's, a, there's only four options. When I have a dormant retirement plan, in other words, I have a, a retirement plan at my company and I don't work there anymore, There's four things I can do. I can either leave it there, or if I'm taking another job and not retiring, I might be able to move it to my new company's retirement plan, although they have to be willing to accept it, or I can move it to an individual retirement account, which is what the is asking about, or I can draw the money and spend it and pay the taxes. Those are really the only four options. And so you have to look at the advantages and disadvantages of each one. So keeping it in the company retirement plan you might like the, 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 the investment choices and it might be a low-cost um, uh, plan. And you may say, I, even though I don't work there anymore, I just want to keep that plan. Or you might say, even though that's my money, it's my old company's plan. And since it's their plan, they can do things to the plan that I might not like. Now, I was willing to put up with that when I worked there, but I don't work there anymore. So I want control, total control over my money. So I'm going to move it to an individual retirement account also I'm going to have a lot more investment choices available to me in an IRA than the company plan, because any company plan, even a good one, is going to limit me to, I don't know, 15, 20, 30 investment choices. In the IRA, I literally have thousands of choices. So there's four total options. Um, Most people do end up converting uh, their, their retirement plans to IRAs and Roth IRAs. I don't know if there's the best time. I think you have to sit down with somebody and look at the pros and cons and determine what's best for you.
0: All right. Thank you so much. And thanks to all the texters. We didn't get to everyone. So your money at wealthenhancement.com. That's where you can send your questions. You can also call 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 1-888-6-ADVICE and go in for a free consult. Bruce, talk to you next week.